Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode eight of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. We have a great discussion for you today. We had our lovely guest, Mr. Edward Cook, on the show. He is a certified polygrapher in the great state of Utah with Prime Polygraph. So we're going to talk about the history of the polygraph, how that has advanced over time, and how we use that in the therapeutic process. So stay tuned for that. The episode is brought to you by Alpha Counseling and Treatment, providing emotional strength for a better living. Alpha Counseling and Treatment does that through providing individual, group, and family counseling services. If you're interested in more information, you can check out the website at utahsbesttherapy.com. Other than that, we will go ahead and get rolling on the episode about polygraphs. It's officially official. Meta analysis. Meta. <laughs> What's the medical? Analysis? So Je- Jeff was really afraid that I was going to mention meta analysis because I, God forbid, I prepared to have a discussion with our guests today, Mr. Edward Cook, prime polygraph extraordinaire. It's taking a long time to get here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's even got his own shirts and shit. Look. I know. He's already. Is that why you wore your Ooh, alpha I shirt today? That. That's nice. He's competing with my, my Wanted shirt. Wanted to represent. Although his looks way better. Like yours definitely looks like it's. That's from... a gym shirt, dude. I wear mine to the gym yeah, all the time. Sucks I don't even wear mine to the gym. On the back <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's weird as I. Well. well personal phone number? Yeah. That's my cell phone number on the back of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess that is. Yeah. <laughs> We should have we should have done the uh, the spelling out of the last four letters because it says six four, four five, five kill. kill. Yeah. I, but we probably would have got more calls at this point. Like, whoa, that's radical. <laughs> <laughs> is this really a real number <laughs> for, for therapy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guarantee it gets some calls on it. But dude, but look at Ed's though, man. Look, it's all. It is got, a legit shirt. He's got like a polo. Sorry. But you notice, like he, I'll bet stitch too stitching. Uh, yeah, they're stitching oh, on real. it. Oh yeah, it's not like that. What what is that? Paint. No. <laughs> yeah, our our clients are laid back though. If we brought in polos, they'd be like, "What the hell is yeah. this?" And they would end up on the floor. Yeah. They like, like uh, t-shirts. Those are no, those are screen printing, right? Is that what that's yeah, called? Yeah. Screen printing, but these are specifically Dude. because we're clothing the homeless. Yeah, the that's right. You don't yeah. spend and marketing. For like the spend standard, like for the standard on a free shirt, shirt you get you see from places though, that's like a pretty legit shirt. Yeah, yeah it's not bad. Like you know that. what I like about that though, dude? It was so funny because we pass we we pass those out, and one of the group members was like, "Well, what do you guys get out of this?" And I'm like, Look. "What do you mean? We're giving you guys?" I was like, "Well, first of all, my number's on the back for people to call, but you know, why don't you just give out shirts?" And I'm like. Dude, because like we're a company and we're trying to, like, I was like, so you 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 got a free shirt in your hand that you're gonna wear to work. He's all, yeah, and we got our number on the back. We're doing our logo, right? And then he's all, well, what? And I was like, yeah, well, we get a we get to write that off in taxes. This is what you do with charity, dude. Like that, we're we're. We're giving you guys clothes for free. But I'd prefer a Nike shirt next time. Well, uh, no, he—he's like, man. could you? Well, no, he's like, can you go to the store with me? He's all, 
God, uh, dude, it's it's all about the fucking money with you guys. It's like, free. <laughs> it's a free shirt. <laughs> You're getting a free shirt, homeboy. Charge you for that shirt. Take it back. Yeah, dude, it was. That'd have been the move to take it back from him. You know though. <laughs> you know though, dude. I'll bet. Well, kind of. I'll bet one. Ed, my who'd you call for that? that? Who'd you call for that shirt? Just did it online. Oh, when I was buying like business cards. Where'd you get it from though? Things like that. Um, Vistaprint. Oh, yeah. Okay, so but I'll bet when he was on Vince Vistaprint, he was like, <laughs> "Can I get just extra narrow sleeves?" So they show off my guns way better. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't he, though? That's just a good idea. a smaller size. <laughs> well, no, because you got to be able to, because then it looks No, stupid. that looks pretty good, though. Like, it's not too tight, but no, it's No, it looks good. Is that what this you want as a polygrapher, though, is looking jacked in front of your clients? Is that is that good? or I'm not sure if it's good or bad. That's not even a rhetorical question. That's legit. That would definitely be good. That's no, always good. Like, Wait a minute. Hold on. Are you, are you asking? Good. Are you asking, like, if it's good to be a good-looking polygrapher? Yes. Or to be fit? I think, I think I, so. I think you're as opposed to being like an obese, homely. Maybe I'd maybe depending on who I'm polygraphing, you know. Nah, be. I don't. Uh, well, if I'm polygraphing like down. infidelity, so if it's a wife coming in, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's being accused of cheating. She, yeah. <laughs> she's like, you're, all, you're all. Have you ever cheated on your husband? She's all. I'm about to. She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can let us, they bring it. I talk, One of the guys I talked yeah. to, he had a girl that was like. Asked him like, let's hook up or let's bang. Or yeah. we actually watched a video when we were in, going through school before, and they showed us a video of a woman that she failed the polygraph. It was a teacher that had sex with a student. She yeah. failed miserably, and he's telling her she failed. And then she offers to have sex with him if he doesn't reveal the results. <laughs> and so he did. And then the camera just went off. <laughs> 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 Roll credits. <Yeah. laughs> no. So wait a minute. So okay. So about that though. Um, so. Okay, well, so you've done the infidelity uh, test, haven't you? Yeah. Dude, what do those look like? So so what, there's a couple coming in, right, so and he's like, I know that bitch is cheating, right. or or like the other way around. How does it go? And she might not even be a bitch. So I, I don't like them, obviously, because there's, <laughs> there's, there's people with you. Thanks, dude. That's, that's why. Okay, that nice lady. That person. <laughs> I'm, I'm imitating him. I'm quoting that client. Well, it, it, it's horrible because there's a family. So they come in. So one of the first oh, ones man. I did, Ugh. like they, I interviewed them. T- I was starting to interview them together after talking to one for a little bit. And then he's like stares at her. Yeah, I bet that off, was productive. And then she says something and she's like scared of him. And he's like pissed off. That's not what fucking happened or, or yeah. whatever's going on. He's all will find. So that. I'm like, you know, it's just we're not getting anywhere. Let's have you leave the room. We'll talk to one at a time. Wait, wait. So she was accusing him. She was accusing him. of He cheated before. Mm-hmm. And so she was accusing him of cheating again. Right, so they went through some marriage counseling. He hadn't cheated, but he's a big piece of shit. She thinks he's cheating again at this point because. Did you did you ask her? Did you ask her? Does he beat you? So she, no, <laughs> you should. Let's do a polygraph for you first. Yeah. Do you, do you think he did though? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. But I mean, it's just shittier situations because like this, a different couple that was actually a nice couple. Uh, they have kids, and he had done some shit in the past. Like he'd gone to a whole bunch of different uh, massage therapist and got happy endings or paid to have sex with them actually multiple times too wait that really but exists that, so that happened in the past paid for him paid for, paid for him to have sex uh, with him not just happy endings but sex too but that happened multiple times in the past and then she had a friend uh that she thought he'd hooked up with so they're going to come for a polygraph yeah to say if he thought it was just over that one friend yeah so he's like no i'm totally good no problem but after talking with her, I told her we were going to do sexual contact with anyone outside of the marriage oh, man. they've not talked about. But, yeah. So they got here for the polygraph that day, didn't come up, and she texted me and said, we're not going to make it up. There's too much going on. So I guess he found out there's going to be more, and then he disclosed a whole bunch of other shit. He's like, well, okay, well, yeah, there was this other time I went to a massage therapist not too long, this last year. 
she slept with me. So there's more going on. They came back a couple weeks later and tested again. Yeah. After he disclosed all this shit and he passed. Oh, but nice. there was more shit. But he. But by that time she was. <laughs> she already just, took out an insurance policy you, on him. And, if you're ta- if you're and, doing and an infidelity they were in test, the moves, they they were in the news two months later after she murdered him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. But if you're doing the test, you're, you, you should probably just get divorced in the first place. If you're to yeah, that point, that that is, you, that you won't kinda, trust them without a polygraph test. That, but they do your, a lot. That, that'd be your advice for. Fidelity test for fidelity test people. Well, you know, if you can adjust we, that mic. You don't always have to move, <laughs> move to it. Check, check, check it. Check. We could do like if you want to do like marriage counseling where there had been infidelity in the past, and as part of the marriage counseling, we did like a polygraph every six months to help build the trust back over time. Sure, there could be a place for it, but usually it's just someone he fucking cheated on me, but and they don't show up. They use the polygraph as a threat. So hey, I'm gonna have a polygraph for you, but then they don't show up. So I make them pay up like a deposit to make the appointment. So if they don't show up, I still make a hundred bucks. Right? Yeah. It's, wow. Well, I yeah, I don't think that, it's. That, that I don't think like it's a, great. That seems like a good point, though. I mean, like, so I mean, you know, so so trust, right? I mean, if you're, so like this is something that we talk about with clients, I, and I try to teach them. You know, trust is is based on um, vulnerability, right? I've got to be able to be vulnerable to you in order to trust you right. at that point. Like if, if you're, if I'm saying that trust has been violated at this point, I mean, so, so what the polygraph then like rebuilds that or, I mean, it's already, it's already shattered, right? It's already gonzo. So yeah, like, well, I mean, at that point you're like behaviors are all that matters. And I guess the, the polygraph is one source of collateral data to start showing like, okay, we're at least at a, we're at least like at a starting over point or like something to build upon. Maybe that's what the you, results could be. You know what's crazy about that though, dude? Like, I don't think like. Um, so if I'm, it, 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 I talk to girls about this all the time. Well, guys too, and I'm saying, okay, so you know, really, how do you measure trust? Like, what tells you that you can trust a person? And nobody really is able to just come right out and say, well, this, 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 and this. You know, and I, and I say, well, that you got to think about that sometimes. Like, I mean, literally, write down the things you would need to see from another person in order to say, yeah, I trust you, right? And then and then the, the other thing, too, is if my trust has been violated, I give you a list of things I need to see in order to trust you again, right? I mean, how think about how the, how the like, because you know, like when you've lost trust with somebody and it's just like kind of like shitty, like the idea, like, you know, it's kind of like, well, how do I gain that trust back or whatever? Because, you know, trust is not, it's something that I give you, not that you, you know, it's not that you just build back up or anything. Right, you're not ma- you don't make me earn it. You either give it to me or you don't. Right, exactly. So so I have to give you, but it's all a mystery. Like, it's all a mystery. Like, you know, I'll, I'll know it when I trust you. Well, what, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Like, so if you just tell me, I need to see this, this, and this from you in order to trust you again. How much simpler that would be than going to a, a polygraph? Like, I mean, you're, you're already, you clearly don't trust me whatsoever. Like, polygraph, schmolygraph. Like, why would we need to go through a polygraph at this well, point? Well, that's, that hey, that's what you were saying, right? They just want to hear it. Yeah. The polygraph they yeah. want to hear. Yeah. If he fails, I knew you were cheating if they passed. Well, I don't know if I believe that polygraph. It's because they, well, they, they already, it, they already it's have one of those two. Well, that's the whole thing, no matter what, even if the person is telling the truth. The person would immediately be like, well, what, did he look up how to cheat it? What else is he hiding? And that's yeah. In that case, like of a relationship, uh, I just don't see that being... I, I don't enjoy If you're him, searching for, to find out that someone's lying, that's what you want to hear. So, you so hear then is it, you, you're saying it's just to like feel righteous? Like, I knew I was right! I think it can be used right. Like I said, the one had gone through therapy before and things like that. I think the second people weren't quite as bad as the first couple. I think the first couple just seemed sketchy. I think she just wanted to hear that. She already had her mind made up. I know this is happening because of these signs or symptoms so when you she say, didn't trust him from so when you say right cheating. so when you say right are you saying 
In other words, like if, if it's a, if it's a, so I believe this person, but I would really like some additional confirmation for with of the no, truth. I think they want to know the the person thinking the other person is cheating. I know they're cheating because of all these things, and I want to see it. So I think when they're what I've seen, they're coming in like he's. Che- I I just am sure he's cheating because he cheated before, which mm-hmm. is com- which is the situation for these that I've seen. And now they're doing all these same different actions they were doing previously when I knew they were cheating. So they have to be cheating again. So yeah. they, they kind of, I think they kind of want confirmation. Like they'd like to hear they're not, but I don't know that it's going to change much. Is it, I don't do a lot of them because I don't like them. Is there a pretty big, well, oh, so there's, so I don't, I don't advertise for them. I don't like them. I'm busy enough. Oh, Yo, you don't advertise for them? How do you, how do people track you down? Do you have a, do you have a website? What's your website? No. Don't my website. I'm on your guys' website, on Alpha's website. But I'm but, sure if you threw that I mean, information into Google, your name would pop Oh, up. yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I guarantee there's a huge market for that infidelity stuff. <clears throat> Why don't... See, this is... But always, there's there's a market, but... About, I've always said this about Ed, dude. Like, is Ed's like a genuinely good dude. Like, he's kind of a, a really ethical, good person, you know? When yeah, he, sure. Well, <laughs> Do you want me to edit <laughs> Well, yeah, no, it was, like, it was like, so, so if, if, if for anybody who doesn't know, like, so, um, so Jeff and I, a while back, had realized that um, with the number of clients that we were having, and plus, with the polygraphers that we work with, with sex offenders, like, it's just, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot, man. Like, and, and we've had some real struggles with some polygraphers before, Um and uh, like, like a, an example of this, and I won't use names or anything, but I mean, so we had a polygrapher that we worked with pretty long period of time. And what was it? Three years? Yeah. So for three years, um, for three years straight, we had um, every one of our clients who were, um, you know, who had committed a sex offense were coming through our program and we had no fails, right? Nobody failed. But the thing was, it's so weird because we weren't communicating. Like, it, well, I mean, we were communicating, but... It didn't really come up in into the idea that oh man what the hell's going on here you know like we from this one polygrapher right yeah and I was like what's going on with that <clears throat> like that's and we finally figured it out right because it wasn't like every single client was going to him but we we just noticed that over time dude I, I just thought I was a good therapist right and that no one would lie to me <laughs> you're right you know? I was like, oh man I'm so yeah. I'm spot on and then and then uh and then it was do you remember do you remember when when we thought something was fishy and it was because a client came back and said, Hey, I lied. I lied in that polygraph and it's, and so you didn't have the results yet. And they said, I lied and it's going to come back that I failed. And then he passed and there was, so we were like, Oh, that's fishy. So we talked to him and then the next seven consecutive dudes failed. So after three years of all passes, Mm -hmm. then the next seven consecutive dudes fell. I was like, after you tell him that, right. I was like, wow, this is one. See, that's the thing. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just like therapists. Sometimes I, um, when I when I work with therapists, uh, they I think sometimes they get really hesitant to do like you know recordings and fidelity stuff. I think sometimes they worry about well what's going on behind my closed door and my explain session what is. a fidelity check is. Oh yeah, sorry, but so is. so if I'm if I'm doing an evidence based practice, like um, I'll give an example. So like um, motivational interviewing is a really big one that um, that I supervise right now. So I'm a trainer and a supervisor in motivational interviewing. And uh, the idea is motivational interviewing is a style of, uh, of it's, not, it's not a therapy model. It's a style of doing therapy that's designed uh, for retention. So if a client, if you do a, an appropriate dose of MI during the first um, three to four sessions, it's, there's, a, there's really good research to suggest that they're going to stay in treatment longer. And uh, the, the, the meaning, uh, I mean, the, the, 
the um, significance of that is if a client stays in treatment longer, they're bound to, you know, the numbers of their outcomes get better too. So we have therapists uh, record sessions and, um, you know, there's, there's 10 different techniques that they're supposed to use. And it's not really an incredibly high bar. So um, in order for a therapist to be um, adherent, which measures how often, how frequently they're doing the technique, and then competent, which measures how well they're doing it, and I give them ratings based on that, um, they have to be adherent and competent in five of the ten um, of the ten skills that are used. And if they get like an advanced competent adherence, they have to be um, competent here in seven skills, right, that they're doing with this client. And I just need to hear those things. And it's very distinctive, you know, what they're doing. You can pay attention to what they're doing and score it appropriately and go from there. Um, And then if they're not doing it, we try to say, here's some coaching, do better, this, that, and the other, right? But I think therapists get hesitant about that. They're really pushed back and they say, no, I don't want to do this. But I kind of am saying, well, look, this is the evidence-based practice that has research showing that this is true, right? Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want your profession more legitimate? Because, I mean, what are you doing behind those? Do you cast in spells? I think they're just scared. Well, the, the, I, about what, though? I mean, what? About not being as competent as they like to think themselves to be. Well, okay. So they probably aren't, right? And probably they need not. coaching and they need to get better. But that's the thing. The more you can bring it to research, just like the medical model, if I'm a doctor... It's not like I'm, you know, I'm using a bird to pick out your infection, you know, or something like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing evidence-based practices, and uh, those evidence-based practices, you know, no, no doctor on the earth would imagine that. But again, nobody gives therapists the legitimacy of a doctor, do we? No, no, and of course, and we don't deserve it. But it's because, uh, but part of it is, is all this resistance and pushback of, no, I just want to talk about chakras and energy and you know, you know, I mean, nonsense. On cast spells and shit, you know, and and it just seems so. Like I think that any any of that. resistance or talk about what's going on with the polygraph because i mean it is there's there's a lot of research and science behind it a lot lot of people say it's a pseudoscience right even one of our therapists uh someone who shall not be named (laughs) (laughs) me (laughs) no (laughs) somebody in this room is married to (laughs) no no it was it was it was a they they were saying it was pseudoscience but i mean there's like there is like plenty of legit research to back this up right Absolutely. So back in the day, I think there wasn't nearly as much research before. So there was the EPPA Act. So the Employee Polygraph Protection Act passed back in 1988. And Reagan, the reason (laughs) (laughs) so the reason that passed is because things got really sketchy back in the day. Right. So there would be situations where a van. But that was only for public. I mean, a private for the private sector. Right. For right, right. Because so, the government still does. Right, it a government ton. still does them. So government does them. So pre-employments for police work, government of jobs, anything like that. But back in the day, there'd be a van that would pull up in front of a business and run like thirty polygraphs in a day. <laughs> <laughs> and a and van? <laughs> it's a polygraph Mo- van. Mobile so polygraphs, yeah. <laughs> Are you telling the truth? Yes. Like, like so a line up, food truck. And then you know, <laughs> if you ask a polygraph examiner back then why their particular <laughs> test format they used was accurate, they'd probably say, "Well, my name's Bob Ross, and this is just a Bob Ross polygraph format, and I'm an examiner, therefore." The painter? Is, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we see a little lie up here in the corner. He's a, he's a happy little. 
lie. <laughs> Dude, I I trust that guy with my life though. <laughs> I mean, honestly, well, he, he made you feel good. Damn, he is dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's so, true. rumors. I mean, <laughs> it's a conspiracy. So there, there wasn't like a reason necessarily that why they did their particular test format they were using. I went to school. This is what they said I should do, but there wasn't testing behind that. So I think that was a really good act that passed because it made polygraph examiners and, and everyone start doing more research. Like, okay. What can we use? So, like the meta analysis, meta analysis, meta analysis. Uh, in 2011, went over just tons of different research they had pre they had done for polygraphs to look at. Okay, what polygraph formats meet these criteria? You know how it has to be at least you know maybe 80 percent accurate for this type of test, or or you know depending on the test format you're doing, depending on the type of test you're doing. So they went through the meta analysis. So. Any polygraph examiner that's working that's in Amer under the American Polygraph Association is required to use these particular formats that have been shown to be, you know, yay accurate. So mm -hmm. a screening test where you're testing for unknown things. So if you're on parole or probation, if you're asking about questions about parole probation, have you been viewing pornography? Have you used drugs or alcohol? Those, that's a screening test. You don't know they've done something. You're just kind of fishing. Yeah. So that's not going to be quite as accurate as a test where you're doing one single issue where you know something happened, right? Right. Did you steal any of that money? You know, if, if there was a robbery or something like that, that's going to be more accurate. You're doing a single issue, so the less issues, the more accurate. And that test format, so if you're doing a test format for a single issue that's a known uh, test... So there's studies that'll show that's over ninety percent accurate. Well, okay, for the for the mean accuracy for a test like that. So right. So that particular format. Okay. So if the research bears that out, right? So you're saying an actual so, number, right? So you're saying, and and let me just let me just uh, folks just for listening purposes here. So this was the just so we're on the same page here. This is the meta analytical survey of criterion accuracy of validated polygraph techniques. Good. Correct. Correct. Okay. So so a little piece of this, I was going to say, so it says the committee contacted developers of polygraph techniques for which there were insufficient published studies for inclusion in a meta-analysis and volunteered assistance to anyone requesting it. Two studies were completed, have been accepted for publication, and are waiting for printing. Da, 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 da. 38 studies satisfied the qualitative and quantitative requirements for inclusion in the meta-analysis. These studies involve 32 different samples and described the results of 45 different experiments, which is pretty. These studies included 295 scores who provided 11,737 scored results of 3,723 examinations, including 6,109 scores of 2,015 oh, confirmed deceptive exam. I mean, so these are confirmed all in all. So these are ones they know. It's not right. what we think. They, they but, okay, so, so I'm just saying... 11,000 is a shit ton of... That's a big end size, yeah, dude. Yeah, it is. That's a big end size. So, so I mean, this isn't... And again, this was... That's a legit study that comes out of there. And then... So, if you're telling me... So, you're telling me that um, if you can whittle this... And it, so, uh, clearly, back in the 80s, they had... There, there's knowledge that this could work. I right. mean, there's, there's right. sufficient... And there's probably some good situations, but yeah. I think... You know, the things you hear now sometimes are things from back then, I think, like, oh, it's it's not that great, or they're just doing it for interrogation purposes. Yeah. I bet there were plenty of examiners back in the 80s or 70s or before that may have used it for interrogation. I want to scare this person into telling me. So, and they've, I've heard they've done some studies um, on uh, if a test is more accurate if someone's being... He's just saying, don't pound the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone's being a dick, right? If I'm if I'm intimidating, 
and I'm coming through as intimidating, is it going to be more accurate than if I'm nice? You know, before they used to think you had to be intimidating for it to be more accurate because it deals with them being scared or not. Yeah, I've definitely heard some stories of clients telling me about like previous polygraphs where that was kind of the case. They felt like they were like in trouble, like their dad right. was yelling at them. So, <laughs> this, <laughs> so they've done studies and it was just as accurate when the person was nice and working with him versus the person that's going to be intimidating. That's good. Takes so, you yeah. out of it, really. So what's the point of being a, a dick if it doesn't matter if it's just the test is the test? Yeah. It's accurate. So, well, so and, and so, it takes you out of it. Like it, it, it does. Like there's, there's so much variability if like the examiner's manners influence right. the test. Right. But right. I mean, exactly. if that if that's not really a factor, then I don't know. That that seems more legit. Right. To so me. they do more and more research is being done. There's states where it's legal. So I believe New Mexico it's legal for everything. You look at accuracy levels. If you compare, you know, handwriting analysis, which is used in court versus polygraph handwriting analysis is not nearly as accurate as polygraphs, but that's used on a regular basis. That's not nearly really? as accurate. That's not, yeah. I mean, that's not that's even crazy. close. No. So but that's accepted in court, handwriting well, so, analysis? So, so, right. is, so is, well, see, this is, this is kind of what's fascinating to me. You're saying that, that if you, okay, there's limitations, of course, right? And so back in the 80s, the private sector, or the, the, it kind of gave it a bad name. In other words, I mean, like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of oversight, so people were abusing it for a profit. But then the, the powers that be, so the government did its job, right? And then they said, okay, well, clearly this is being abused and, and didn't even regulate it. They just they just said, no, you can't do it for the private sector any longer. So they moved to the government where there's more oversight. So now they have oversight. But you're telling me that you, if you if you are able to formulate a question that's very specific to you know one particular thing, mm-hmm. that's over ninety percent accurate in right. those circumstances. So if you look at the meta analysis for that particular format, what page did you say that was on? So two hundred two on meta analysis. Let me pull that back up. Did I have a two hundred two? I so have, no, it's up towards the, like the, bo- the page number on the bottom of it. So it's towards, oh. the, it's towards the top of the well, study. Give me there. the real page number, dude. <laughs> but anyway, have, like have Jamie. So think about 10, this, dude. Think about this, dude. Though, if you had, if you had this, if you had this idea, oh. if if you had this idea, um, up, you can allow like in, in. So I watch forensic files all the time. You can allow like hair samples in there, right? Do they still make that? Like, is it new ones? No, no, no. Good, because no. I wouldn't watch them. <laughs> no, yeah, they have to be the old ones. Like the best is when it's on and you I get one that's in like them. standard <laughs> definition. Oh yeah, no. You <laughs> like have square. you watched them on Netflix? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, dude. I, I play that. So one so, Anyways, sorry. The, but anyway, yeah. They they as you're looking through that like. Okay, a hair, unless there's DNA, like unless you got a follicle. So all you can say about a hair is it's, it's, is it's microscopic, microscopically similar to another hair. Well, what does that even mean, dude? Like, I mean, so you're like saying it's, it, it's not, you can't, you can't definitively say that it's the same hair. It's you can like just say it's print. similar, right? So, and, and, uh, and even like eyewitness testimony, like, oh, that's garbage. Dude, like, yeah, I'm telling you right worst. now, yeah. If, yeah. If, if there were, if they, we're all semi-rational dudes, but if there were a wreck out there, right, right now that we saw, and a cop came up and talked to us, all four of us had four different stories yep. about what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what, we're all sitting right here, right? Now, I mean, it's not like that one time that we caught Ed taping his eyes back because no. he wanted oh, to be yeah, Asian. That's that right. I remember vividly, I remember and <laughs> I'll take a polygraph on that more, now. <laughs> more people were there. Yeah, let's, let's, take a, let's take a polygraph. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, you can't do it, that. though. That's who carved the name. So, the sorry, chair, what were you, what you going to say? What were you going to say? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the accuracy for that, for that test format, zone comparison test, <laughs> and there's different types of scoring. So, the most current one that's going to be the most highly accurate, the most inner rater reliability, so multiple people scoring it get the same results. Mm-hmm. 
So for that test format, it shows it as, let's see, 92% accurate, the mean accuracy. So wow. that's a range of 86%, 86.6% to 97.7%. And that's with what version? So that's going to be a, that's going to be your single issue test single that issue we're talking test. about. So there's okay. a, there's an incident, there's a single issue test. That's the accuracy for that. So okay. those are going to be required to have a higher accuracy for those. Okay. As well, if they're going to be using those in those particular in those types of tests. Okay. So, well, see, and that's just what I. But, okay. So then, why? Well, maybe you'll be able to explain this. So then, when? How did? How did it come about that polygraphs aren't allowed to be in court then? So back in like the early 1900s, so there was uh, Marston, there was a case uh, where, and this wasn't even a polygraph, right? Like technically, because a polygraph is multiple writings, right? So there's multiple things we're measuring. The type of test that he was actually, this Marston was trying to use to get into a federal court was a test. So his test was this. He would ask a guy a question, the person would answer, he'd pump up a blood pressure cuff, check their systolic blood pressure, pump it down. Then he'd ask another question, pump up the blood pressure cuff, read a systolic, pump it down. So Just it's like their a, blood pressure. So it's like an intermittent systolic blood pressure test. It's not really a polygraph, but he wanted to get this to a federal court. They shoot it down. Then every time since then, they say, refer back to this. That's why we're not using polygraph. So it was so, back in like, so it was in like the, 100 years ago, it was garbage. Because of one, well, that's... That's the reason it's Because of the level the poly, you know, gets to the federal court, they say we're not using polygraph or we're not using this type of test because of this. And they escape well, wait a minute. Back. Though, that's, the, that's the Fry case, I believe. It was something Fry. That's not a, that's not a polygraph, though. That's right. bullshit. Right, but that was kind of the beginnings of the polygraph. What was that guy's name? Uh, so Marston. the court case, I believe, was Fry. I believe the guy's name was Marston. So it was um, fed, like this was like they a, tried to get into the court. So you can try like F R Y E. F R Y E. I like believe federally decided they're not going to use polygraphs. Is that what I happened? believe because of that case? So they always refer back to that. Because then so, you would imagine anytime overturning that kind of stuff is going to be right. Yeah, right. that's well, crazy. I, I didn't know you'd that. think with a lot of evidence behind it, they'd say this is a completely so different see. test than blood pressure polygraph in the Fry case. If the Fry court's rejection primarily involved the lie detection technique rather than the scientific principle behind it. Then it was Marston's systolic blood pressure evidence, not Larson's polygraph, that was being ruled inadmissible in the Fry case. Oh shit! What the fuck? So was dude? it like was it like Earth Ed C nineteen twenty one or something? So what I'm asking there though is, okay, can you not like can can federal can federal courts not read? I mean, I, what what's the deal here? That's a completely different case. That's a completely different it's type not, of test. It's not what we use, especially now. Yeah, right. Right. So that's why I think it's becoming more scientific. Yeah. They're doing more research on it. In fact, one of the main f- test formats I use, it's, it's, in my opinion, I mean, it's just as accurate or more accurate. So I'm not saying it's better than other formats because I use both formats. But it's the format I use, uh, it's a DLST. It's going to be almost the same explanation for every single person that comes in. So different people aren't getting different explanations. And in my opinion, that's more scientific. If I can make it the same test for multiple people versus having different things depending on the person, it's easier to test. It's going to be more scientific, and you look at the accuracy levels that are right up there. So I think it's becoming more scientific, and because of that, it's getting a better name for itself. They're upping the education requirements for polygraphs, so it's not just polygraph school that people are doing. They're requiring, they're going towards requiring a bachelor's degree minimum for like the American oh, wow. Polygraph Association. They're changing that, whereas before it could be experience. So I think in 2019. They plan to have it a, a requirement that you can't be unless you're grandfathered in and you've yeah, been doing so it. Yeah, so they got to cut you it can't off. Can't become one point, right? a full APA member in the future uh, without being having at least a bachelor. So they want to increase education um, and go more scientific. So there's more research there, so they can push it back to where it needs to be. 
because it has you know good levels, good accuracy. I can't yeah. believe it's based on that old case. Well, so so are you? So, but it's going the right direction. But like dude, I say. so look at this. So from uh, let's see. So look at this. Um, this is what kind of so it's on November on November twenty fifth, nineteen twenty, almost a full year after John Lawson joined Berkeley police department and a few months before he had read William Marston's article on lie detection a young black man named James Fry shot and killed a wealthy physician also black in Washington DC so at least it's black on black crime so we're not going to get black lives matter over here on Tifa or anything so <laughs> now we will <laughs> reading so uh, <laughs> the victim Dr. Robert W. Brown was murdered in his office at about 845 in the evening another physician was in the office and witnessed the shooting Fry ran out of the office with the eyewitness running after him the chase ended abruptly however when Fry took a couple of shots at his pursuer wow that guy's ballsy since this witness didn't know Fry, the police had no idea who had committed the crime. So the guy didn't know who he was. So then um, in his book, The Lie Detector Test, Marston states that he was called into the case by Mattingly. A few Mattingly's got to be. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is a uh, court appointed attorney for Don Fry. Mattingly. Yeah. Don Mattingly's brother. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> states that he was called into the case by Mattingly a few weeks before the trial because the attorney couldn't find any witness to support Fry's alibi. Marson went into jail on June 10, 1922 to give Fry his systolic blood pressure test, a primitive method that involved nothing more than a standard medical blood pressure cuff and a physician's stethoscope. After each Jeez. question, put to fry marson simply took his blood pressure compared to larson's polygraph that at the time was a year old so it looks like this larson guy did the polygraph on fry he failed and then marston came in marston's test was crude and unreliable after marston administered his test he was convinced of fry's innocence he wrote no one could have been more surprised than myself to find fry's fry's final story of innocence was entirely truthful his confession to brown Murder was a lie from start to finish. What the fuck, dude? Like that is what that's that's a polygraph. That's you're why telling me they refer to the fry. Oh, is this a fry case, right. dude? That's, did, that's how it would always be for years and years and years. Wow. It's like that's crazy. You know, you can't use this court fry. You know, look back at this case. You know how they're always referring back. To <laughs> you're just cases. talking to a judge. A fry, <laughs> <laughs> Like Sigmund Freud, I th- he had something like to where uh, his cure for heroin addiction was cocaine. Or vice versa, maybe cure for cocaine was 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 heroin. That'd be like banning modern day substance abuse therapy because that crap back in eighteen ninety four was a hoax. You know that's 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 crazy that that's persisted this long. That's like not even it's not even the same test. It's silly. Hmm. Yeah, I, we have computers. I it was although, way more although you know, the one thing about that though is is they they kind of did ban you know substance abuse treatment for a period there. I mean, not really, but it would turn way more correctional based for a huge long period of time because of what? Get well, that microphone so you, in your mouth, huh? Yeah, so Jeff. think about it like this: um, if you think about like uh, the uh, okay, so early nineties, early nineties, dude, like, I mean, there. Substance use treatment. I mean, what? I mean, it, what? I mean, you saw a therapist, but it wasn't like what we do nowadays. No. It was way it was just mean to people, right? That's all you did. And now, now the government is way more accepting of medication-assisted treatment. I mean, you don't treat heroin. Oh wait, you don't treat cocaine addiction with heroin, of course, right? I think that's speedball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. I mean, you like you. Uh, you know, I. I think. Um, you know, methadone, which came out like in, the, I believe, in the '60s. Right. That went away. That went away for a long time and then came right back. 
now it's in a good it's going in, in a good place as long as it's regulated appropriately suboxone uh you know vivitrol they've got really good medication assisted treatment that's out now that's totally and they and they've now started to say substance use disorders are now in a medical category right and they've kind of legitimized it so can you see that going anywhere with the polygraph i mean do you guys have lobbyists who try to legitimize this further because right. it, it schools, does seem and schools are a big deal too. So like the most recent APA meeting, they were talking about having uh, more regulation on the schools they have, and that's a huge deal. The school I went to was teaching things that were just way out of date. Yeah. So I learned a lot of what I learned after school when I start going to this continuing education. And at some of the continuing education, they have some of these teachers from the newer schools that have current research. And when we're talking about things, they say, if you ask us questions, I'm not going to tell you, well, I feel like when I've done them, this works great. Or I think this, they're going to say, this is what the research says, which is how you should answer those questions, right. right? Right. Research says, this is why you do this. This works better because of this. So some of the newer schools are going that direction. And if they do get more regulation, it's going to make a big difference because to go through school and just miss out on current research and be taught old formats is garbage. Yeah. So they're looking at moving that in the right direction. Like I say, it's, it's becoming legal in more places. They're doing more research on it. They're in high, getting higher education. So a big part of that's going to be going back to the school. So the majority agreed because they were voting it in that they do want higher regulation uh, for the schools for that, yeah. which of course school owners got up and talked like, hey, we don't need this. Like, well, yeah, you want to make money. You're not here to, to really make a difference on some of these things. Well, no, and see, so that's what I was kind of referring to either uh, earlier. Like, um, as far as polygraphers go, I mean, the guy I was referring to earlier, I mean, just, it just seems super unethical. And, and again, you, you're taking your craft and, and while you're making, you know, 200 bucks a pop or whatever it is, you're also destroying your craft at the same right. time. Yeah. Like, and and to- people's and lives. One person, but, right. I mean, if someone hears about one person doing that, then it's just going to say, well, this is polygraphs. You know, so and then you ruin your name too. If I sell my soul for one shitty polygraph or let someone bribe me, that's you know that's a slippery slope. You're doing a disservice to everybody else in the field. Everyone else, it makes everyone look bad when you see those things. So it's it's really a negative thing. I mean, there's requirements. There's you know, if you're a licensing state, there's state requirements for how long a polygraph should go. And part of the purpose of that is so it doesn't turn back into what was before the EPPA Act, where you can just like go in. Hop in my van. Let's take a polygraph. Ten minutes later, you're done. You know, so depending on the test format, you're going to take. You know, for instance, on on SO tests on a, a sexual history, you want to take it, the requirements are it's at least ninety minutes. It's versus, standardized versus some people you hear get in and out of a sexual history polygraph in like forty five minutes. Like, what did they do? You know, they there was no interview. They just go in there and, and they don't prep you for it. It's not a real polygraph. So they, they put more standardization. You know, licensing states, I think, is a good thing because there are more requirements. But uh, you get some sketchy situations. Some places like California where, like, this is my area. You can't work here unless I get 50% of your pay if I let you work here. And they get really uh, sketchy in some places as opposed to just doing good work and getting business because of that. Yeah. Like yeah. polygraphers competing between each other? Yeah, there's a lot in California. And it's not a licensing really? state, but it's just... Like hearing some guys that went through school that are out there going through some of the nonsense they do with where they can work or to try to get work. Territorial or backstabbing each other, like going in and undercutting people and <laughs> trying to do all kinds of different things and <laughs> wow and whatnot. Or going to like a California meeting and trying to say, okay, everyone, every polygraph examiner, we're not going to charge less than this and just jacking the prices up 
and trying to make this big agreement so you're paying way too much and they're getting like, money. Like a wow. union. So they had, yeah, so they had some, crazy. they actually had some things going through so they can't do that or they're going to get in legal trouble for doing that type of stuff. So they had some other wow. laws passed. California's got a lot of stuff going on. but Well, what kind of like, so what number did they set? Like they said what? I don't, I don't $1, know. thousand dollars? I don't know. Depends on the polygraph, you know? So like I know guys that are getting paid $800 for a polygraph, like a fidelity type polygraph in California wow. for one polygraph. Well, I mean, there's um, this higher standard of living there. Right, right. Not but, that much. But normal much, polygraphs yeah. are like probably three fifty, four hundred dollars for, you know, your regular polygraphs, your wow. pre employments, your different things, but that's more the average. I don't know what it, they were trying to do before. I mean that's I just fine. Thought, I guess it just, I just depends on how busy you want to be. You have to make sure they weren't trying to do a bunch of But nonsense. it kinda sounds like the Wild West though. I mean it's just uh, really I mean, well, yeah, like stay off my turf. But then, you know, you, to become <laughs> an examiner, crazy. once you go through school, you need someone that's willing to train you. Like you need to have a mentor. I mean, Utah has more restrictions. You need someone for a full year, a minimum of 100 polygraphs is going to be a mentor, which gets tough because who's going to want to do that for someone's going to take their work. So it's tough to get work if you have requirements. California, you need someone to sit with you through like 10 or something to do like PSOT testing. Really? And then and you, and they have well, guy, you're good to go. Wow. <laughs> well, you've gone through school, yeah. yeah, but you don't have all the requirements. But to the ten, people aren't required to do that or aren't doing that for people. So I talked to a guy that I went to school with, and he's like, I can't find it. They think I'm going to take their work, so they won't train me. Therefore, I can't run polygraphs. Oh, therefore, I'm dude. screwed. What about like that? Just seems so, that just seems like what a pussy, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> okay, dude. Like I'm just saying, like if you okay. Uh, if I if I was training, I train therapists all the time on stuff. Like, think about this: we're gonna have we're gonna have a uh, Cincinnati be coming out here soon to train us to be trainers, right? Does that even cross your mind? Like, okay, I'm gonna train you to do this evidence based practice, and I'm not no, actually, I'm not gonna do that because I worry you're gonna be better at it than me, or like. Right? I mean, that's right. so that seems so dumb. If like, you're doing shit right, if you're doing a good job and you have experience, you're going to get your work. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you? I mean, unless you totally suck at life, why would you ever? If they can't go to anyone else, way. then I'm going to make money. Well, it's just that famine mindset. And I mean, that's not a very ambitious way to do things. It's lame. So I don't, yeah, none of us are really guilty of that here. But I guess if you're not competent in your own abilities, then. Yeah, you're going to get a little stingy with shit. I mean, you could even make that work in your favor. You could even say, yeah, I'm happy to train. You know what? I'll do it for free. But on your on your um, but but you could even like you could even do so you could turn that into its own little um, like certification, right? Like you could say, well, I, I so you, you're not doing like a certified, but you could say like you're not APA certified or anything like that, but you could like give it the. Edward Cook prime polygraph uh, seal of approval and say, so you know what? I'll do that. I'll mentor you. I won't even charge you for it. But on all of your products for X amount of years, you have to say that this was certified and mentored by Edward Cook, right? Like you could do that and, and it'd bring like attention to you as well. But the person would want to do that because that would be a le- like a legitimate deal, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like why wouldn't, why wouldn't you do that? Like that seems so silly. I don't know why they wouldn't just attempt to Ah, that's so weird, man. I just want to shift gears, and I, I think it'd be cool for the listeners to maybe hear like the different, I don't know, different measures that you have when you have somebody sitting in your chair. All the different graphs and sensors and hooks and straps and levers and all that crap. You know, 
Right. That, that, I think that'd be good to know. And also exactly what it is that you do for us, for the clients that are sex offenders in our program. Like the, may, I guess the two main tests, that's, that's probably. So are we getting electrocuted while we're in a polygraph? That type of shit. Yeah. Uh, we, both of you get electrocuted. <laughs> Don't lie. Yeah. It hurts me we're too. We're going to get shocked. <laughs> so, you know, polygraph, obviously multiple writing. So we're measuring multiple things. So the things we're going to measure uh, one, we have motion sensors. You know, you're sitting on a motion sensor. Your feet are on a motion sensor. Uh, so don't sit and try to move around and do stupid shit while you're taking a polygraph. We have pneumo tubes around your upper chest and lower chest to monitor upper body movements. So you're sitting on one feet. You have a blood pressure cuff on your arm that reads your change in blood pressure and pulse during the test. There's EDA plates on your index and ring finger. Those are going to measure your change in perspiration or sweat activity during the test. There's a PLE or a plethysmograph on your right middle finger, not to be confused with any other type of plethysmograph <laughs> that people <laughs> use when they're in PSOT. So we're doing all those measurements, So and more of them are becoming measured by the computer. So for instance, like the, the plethysmograph, the computer's measuring the, the scores for that for me. So it's more accurate than I am. It's going to measure uh, how that restricts during the question. So if I'm asking someone a question, did you shoot Bob? You know, there's going to be certain reactions associated with that. You know, people are going to perspire. They're going to breathe differently. They're going to. Uh, well, what's uh, what's the fu- I mean, the function of some of those things is some is to tell if they're lying or not. And the others is to tell if they're screwing with the test. Right. So, in, in, yeah, in general. So, I mean, if you look back at some of the Meshki's things, so if you like anti-polygraph type stuff, they used to and you, online. So I did some research online back when I was in school on, you know, what can people learn online about how to cheat or do crazy things. And there's just really poor information. Or if it's not horrible, it's just old information. So now it's just terrible. So things like, you know, if I squeeze my butt cheeks during specific questions, it's going to help me pass the test. Sure, you know, that might have worked 20 years ago, but you're sitting on a motion sensor. I tell you you're sitting on a motion sensor. So if you squeeze your butt cheeks, I'm probably going to see it. So it's just... You know, we can see if you're trying to do some of those movements or things like that that might help someone try to cheat a polygraph. And it's very obvious. So, you know, I'll generally call someone on it afterwards mm. and say, hey, why were you doing this? Oh, I didn't do anything. Okay, well, it's obvious you were doing it because it's on specific questions. Why are you doing it? Oh, no, not me. Did someone tell you bad information? It looks better if you tell me what's going on than, hey, he's trying to cheat a polygraph. He's obviously out raping and pillaging and everything else. Yeah. So rather than end up coming out and saying, yeah, well, I, someone told me if I did this, if I squeeze my butt cheeks here, it's going to help me pass. And it's like, well, you got bad information. So you try to, so at that point, you try, in, like in the middle of the polygraph, you try to counsel them on, look, what you're doing, okay, I can see what you're doing, and you may have gotten bad information, but... It's not going to help you, and it's going to end up bad for you. So I'm just going to ask you not to do it again because, unfortunately, if you continue to do it, I'm going to have to score it as the computer reads it. So I can see you're doing it, and we can both agree, whatever, you didn't do it. But this next time around, don't do it. Let's go. I have done that before. I have done that where I get done, you know, I run an entire polygraph, and I've gone through a situation where I talk to them. They've told me, hey, this is what happened. They're, they're being open about it, and I've had enough time before my next polygraph that I'm like, okay, because this format I can actually run again. Some formats you're not going to run a whole damn test again because it's multiple charts and it's a long time. But if it's a format where I'm like, okay, I have enough time, you're being open, this is why this is stupid, don't do it, let's go ahead and try again while we got you here. So I have done that before. Other times it's just, you know what, you cheated, 
that you know you're done you're out of here you can pay for another polygraph if you want to come back and be honest about it yeah and that's it's kind of it just depends on where i'm at so i have had some where i've tried to help them or we do a, a practice test before the actual test so an acquaintance test so we run yeah. through a little practice test so they see how it's going to run i've had people try to cheat on that where i'm having them okay write down the number four when i ask you about it say you didn't write it basically and i've had them try to do movements or cheat during that and i say okay I saw your movements. Don't do that during the test. Or you're oh. doing this. Don't do that during the so test. So you do kind of a practice run. And if I see him doing that, I'll try to help. Don't do that. I pointed out. I can see it. And then I've had a guy directly after that in the test did the exact same stuff. So I'm like, okay, you cheated. Why? He ends up saying he got information from someone in jail or prison that said do this. I'm like, okay, well, we can try to reschedule after you talk to your therapist. Somebody in jail? Yeah. Yeah, well, dude, shit you got worked a, out for you, bro. You got a, um, it's so weird because I just don't know. I mean, I feel like I try to do a pretty good job with them ahead of time. I mean, I, I have at least, so when I, when I initiate, so like on a sexual history polygraph, right? Um, and, and for those of you who are listening, so, and, and Ed, you can chime in here on this. And obviously, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. So the sexual history polygraph, you know, there was recently a, there was recently a, a Supreme Court case here in Utah about this. And um, and they are kind of sketchy. I mean, so what in, in a lot of ways, I think the way that we do them are very reasonable. And there's a very um, linear d- reason why we do do them, a very rational reason why we do them. Um, so the the sexual history polygraph is essentially a means of us gathering information about kind of the spectrum of offenses that this person has committed, right? So if a client comes in with um, one charge, regardless of what it is, let's say solicitation of a minor over the internet, right? So that's kind of like to catch a predator. So I was talking to what would be a cop on the other end of this, this, you know, AOL chat. <laughs> Dude, you know how long Ed had an AOL? I still have an AOL. Oh yeah, you first started with that. That's my main email. kind of worried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, so anyway, you, you're you chatting with somebody, and and, it, and they're posing to be a 13-year-old girl. Um, and yet, anybody's listening, folks, uh, seriously, anybody who listens to like somebody say they were entrapped, no, they're not. There's so many hardcore rules about what the cops can and cannot do. Um, the, the client always initiates the, or maybe the offender, however you want to refer to it, always initiates the first uh, idea of sex and sexuality and, and always initiates the meeting and all, you know everything. And they just kind of go along with it. So I've done several of those. It's never, ever entrapment. If they didn't, if they did, they wouldn't have a case. Anyway, so they go to meet him. They get arrested. There's not, there's not even a touch that happened. They were never even talking to a 13-year-old girl. Like that never occurred, right? And then they were arrested. But then let's say that that person actually has had sex with with you know or had sexual oh. contact with yeah yeah a horse or or uh or um you know say they have like you know 20 uncharged uh toddler victims that they've never talked about you know what i mean so therapy for that individual will look very different if i'm only focusing on the on the uh solicitation and not the the uncharged victims and so the sexual history polygraph basically you know bears that out is that it helps us do our job. Sure. Right. And, right. I, and I explain to him just like that. I point out prior to asking questions that when we're going through sexual history, I'm not looking for identifying information for anybody. We're just looking at your history. So therapy is going to know how therapy should look for that. Right. So, so I point out there's no new charges. Why not be open about it? Yeah. Work through the therapy. So that's a key factor there that I, 
I feel like it's even in our material when you present this to a client. It is. Is that when you when you um, talk to them? And now again, I you know, so you can't really blame the dude. I mean, yeah, you can if you want to get, I don't know, really just saying, well, yeah, you should come forward with everything. I well, okay, fine, but they're not going to. So the idea is there is we need we need that information to treat this person appropriately. Is, and I'm saying treat in terms of treatment therapy. Um, but they, there's a little bit of thing called the Fifth Amendment, right? I mean, I can't, I can't be compelled to testify against myself, and especially in a therapeutic context, which is supposed to be therapeutic, right? <laughs> Not like an interrogation. So, so the way we do it is we just look for some. Uh, we don't have them give identifying information. Is the, the people are labeled A one, A two. We say if it keeps your mind more on track. You know, use a first name or make up a name for that matter. Um, and we don't even ask now. I mean, we don't ask age. We just basically have them identify: Were you a juvenile? Were you an adult? Were they related? Were they a stranger? Were they a, a you know some sort of relationship? And um, roughly their age range, not an actual age. And, and did this happen once? Did it happen rarely? Did it happen occasionally or did it happen frequently? Right? We don't give them a number of times. So it's so loose at that point that really. I mean, you're not, there's no information there because if a, and to their credit, if a cop got a hold of that, you know, APMP and police officers, they have a, an obligation to that. If they have probable cause to move forward evidence wise on a crime, then they need to, they need to investigate it. Like that's their mandate, right? There's, so. there's nothing that they could do with that information. But for us, it's invaluable. Cause again, if we have the, the dude that got caught for soliciting a 13 year old that ended up being an undercover cop. And that's all we have. We're going to, our, our treatment plan for him is going to be one thing. But then upon finding out that he has all these toddler victims that completely, well, it, it definitely alters the course of treatment. There's like a different way of going about helping this dude get back on track. Safety planning is going to be different. There's going to be a bunch of things that for both his well-being and, and also, uh, well, community safety that, it's, it's going to be changed up quite a bit. So we do you want need to, it. Do you want to, I'm sorry to cut you off. Do you want to briefly just kind of say what a safety plan is? Like when you say safety planning. So uh, a lot of our guys that get convicted of an offense aren't allowed to be around anybody under the age of 18. And over the course of them being in treatment for a while, you know, passing polygraphs, different things, uh, we slowly start to open up those opportunities for them to be around people under the age of 18. But in order to do so, they have to write up a safety plan, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's, you know, who's going to be there? What am I going to do if things get sketchy? You know, uh, what uh, are, you know, is everybody there aware of my offense? Is the person supervising me uh, going to be providing line of sight supervision? There's, there's quite a few different things that we do so that when when they do go to you know a Thanksgiving party or a Christmas party or whatever it is that we we've done our due diligence in maintaining some degree of safety making sure that everybody's you know mindsets where it needs to be and that everybody's aware of what's going on so the the polygraph gives us the information as to what needs to actually be included on the safety plan you know if uh Again, if if uh, I'm thinking that the only person this guy's victimized is a 13 year old that's actually a cop, yeah, I, I might not be 
as as hesitant to approve, you know, supervised contact with, you know, maybe uh, uh, a niece and a nephew. Yeah, niece and yeah. a nephew that he has actually victimized. Right, right. Uh, and, and, oh, that's the other piece to it too. Is sometimes we find out that people within the family, maybe because again, we don't get identifying information, but that people within the family are uncharged victims. Of course, we're not right. going to do a Christmas visit with a kid that may or may not be a victim that we don't know about yet. See, but so I don't know, and, and maybe you can weigh in on this, Ed, because I don't know how to better convince a client that that's in their best interests, right? So so think about this. If that's the case. see it that way. Well, they okay, see it as if, us being dicks and restricting them. I get that. But if that's the case, let's just say that that's, that, that, and there has been plenty of those, right? There has been plenty of those where, I have I have a familial victim, so I mean I've I've offended on somebody in my family. In other words, uh, in the category, in order for me to pass my polygraph, I would have to the identifying information obviously would be left blank. And I call them. I would just leave it. It would just a one, right? right? So here we are, a one, and uh, when and I and I mark that this person was related to me, and I mark that they were. Um, prepubescent mm-hmm. when I offended on them and I was an adult. Okay, so now you you in in a very um you know a very baseline sense have told me that you victimized one of your family members when they were prepubescent and you were an adult. Well I don't have any information as to who that was. You know who that is as the offender, but I don't know who that is. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because now I know that you have a prepubescent victim, which is what I need to know for therapy. And it was related, which I need to know for therapy. But then if I ask to go home for a Christmas get together, right? And I find out that my niece and nephew is there. Why well, I, I as a therapist can't assume that it's the niece and nephew, right? But imagine though if I go, if I approved you to go to that, and then it, let's say it was the nephew, and the nephew sees you, and you know now he's twenty something years old because you've been incarcerated for a period of time, and he decides to report you. Well, you're you're screwed, dude. Like you're you're screwed. You're screwed now. And then guess what? Your polygraph examination, in which you kind of said that this was here, they won't be able to use that, right? But then that kind of bears that out, and now you got you might get new charges because now your nephew who, who's longly forgot about you and who now you sees you out of prison coming to the family get together says, Oh, F that man. The homeboy's not coming to Christmas anymore. I'm going to report him and then report you to the police. Now you're screwed. It's in, it's in client's best interest to avoid that too. Like, I mean, I that don't know how be better we can way. convince them of that to just not lie on this on this thing. Well, that statement right there might be the only, or I guess the way that has the most traction. So we've kind of been on this, uh, in your best interests kick, you know, I don't know if it's a kick, but we got, got away from having clients consider empathy or victim impact or how might they feel if you show up and more about what's in my, as a client, what's in my best interest. And, uh, the client may delude themselves into thinking it's in their best interest to go to a family party because they've told themselves they're not going to reoffend anyway and they need to get back with their family. And so in their mind, their best interest is to withhold this stuff. Mace is suggesting that we you, you rephrase what in my best interest means to like, yeah, this this is something that this nephew who's now grown up could have a memory triggered report me and then I get to do time on another charge. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean that that might that might be the way. Make it make sense to them some way, because otherwise they just think, oh, they're out to get me, man. Yeah, they're saying they're not going to put new charges right. on me, but they're they're looking for new charges. They want to know all this stuff, and I think I, they I can't, think I can't really tell them these things. They yeah, they think those things. You know, you know what I say I to them people, about that? I think that's that. why people fail. It's you know, they think they they don't trust you. There's yet. like an undercurrent because there's no of... new charges. There's no reason not to say I had a hundred other victims. Well, well, there's pass a polygraph, but they think, oh, they're out to get me. No way, man. There's two. I think so. There's two methods by which I. I think are the most effective. One is, can I get an advocate in the group? Can I get an advocate in the group who's come forward with new victims and been no, just fine with it? That right? helps. Secondly, though, I roll with their own. I roll with their own bullshit. I usually say to them, I say, I say, you know what? Like, so many times you guys have said this is all about the money, right? All about the money. All about the money. I was like, what kind of business model would I be running? If every one of my clients are trying to get them busted on new charges and get them sent back to prison, man, you guys are paying customers. I I need you to pass that polygraph to pay my paycheck, please. Your, please, your first but, year as a businessman, you'll do great, and yeah. then nothing. Yeah, yeah. nothing. No one, no one, one will come you. to you. Yeah. Right. That's what I. Yeah. So I, I was trying to say. I was like, look, man. Like, so it's actually, it's actually, if if this is a conspiracy, think about play that whole conspiracy out. If this is a conspiracy against you, like, do I want you incarcerated or do I want you here giving me money? Like you said, I'm a, uh, you know, I joke with them too. I'm not like obviously saying I'm a greedy bastard or anything. I'm just saying, just roll with your own statements. That doesn't make any logical sense if you're trying to say that. And they're like, oh, you know. but still, I mean, which is spot on. It almost uh, seems, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. And it seems like though, at no matter what, like I had a client who came to you not too long ago, um, and he failed his first test. Come back to me. I talked to him about it. And um, what was weird about it is he came forward with a lot of stuff, like a lot of stuff, right? Failed his first test. And then I asked him, what were you doing? And there was countermeasures, right? So uh, so what, what are countermeasures, by the way? Like, I don't know if we've sufficiently explained that. So countermeasures, it, you know, we, I, talk, I talked about squeezing butt cheeks, the old type of things. Right. It's just, but there's other ones than inten- that. Yeah, intentional manipulation. You're trying to cheat the test. Right. So he said he, he said that he's doing some breathing or some shit and and and... And what was weird about that is he said a buddy of his, probably in prison, this is how you beat it, right? Um, And he said he was trying to get a more favorable outcome. He was still telling the truth, but he's trying to get a more favorable outcome, right? So, but then he came back and then did the same thing and disclosed really nothing and passed. I'm like, dude, what a waste. What a waste of money and time. Absolutely. For nothing. That's so silly. There's there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. So just because someone's trying to manipulate things or cheat, they're not necessarily lying. And there's studies that, you know, a large number of people aren't lying, but they're trying to cheat, which ends up screwing them over. So in some of the studies, they'll actually show that if a truthful person tries to manipulate the test data, they're actually more likely to fail. Wow. So, but they're scared, so they hear bad information, they hear someone that lied and failed, say, oh man, hey, they're, they're bunk, they're not that good. So like, well, how do I pass it? Shit, I'm scared, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. But I want to make sure I pass it. So like, oh, just do this, man. Just breathe like this or move like this or do this during these questions. So what are the... And they try to do those things and now, dude, you're cheating. But, or, it's, but it's not or just it, a pass it, or it fail, fail, right? Like, I don't think people understand that. What are kind of the designations that you usually give? So for, for a screening test, so the common test we do for PSOT testing... Uh, and did you explain what PSOT is? So post-conviction... Yeah. Sex, yeah, post, yeah, it doesn't even sound right. No. Post-conviction sex offender testing. Okay. So <laughs> the designations we have, so as far as scoring it out, so we have a range, right? So there's going to be positive scores for certain reactions and negative scores for certain reactions, and there's a, a threshold they have to meet 
for those. So if someone passes, passing is actually easier than failing. Yeah. So let's say there's two real big issue questions on a test, right? Yeah. Uh, did you use drugs or alcohol? And did you have unauthorized contact with minors, right? So to pass a test, they just need a score of positive one on both questions. You know, it can be positive 10, 5, whatever, as long as and it's what at does least that mean, positive one on positive what? one? So, so for, for the reactions, if they're not having big reactions to these questions, whatever it might be, they're going to score positive because we have... Reactions on all those things. You, on all the things we talked about earlier. Because so polygraph sweat, just means like many tests, right? So, right? so your sweat, yeah. your cardio, uh, your blood volume, pulse amplitude, and your finger while we're going, those are scored out depending on your reaction. So if you score a positive one on those, you're a pass. Easier than if you fail. So to fail in this particular format, you would need at least a minus three on a question. So can you go above positive one if you're telling the truth? Yeah, absolutely. So you can have like a positive 10 on a question, for instance. Kicked ass, basically. Uh, you got positive. So, okay. But it's, so it it's doesn't, all, it's all so, pat. You're wow. So, so you would, okay. So in other words, you, you would have truth. to be, like if, if it was, if it was like, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, is positive 10, right? Whereas, whereas positive 1 is like, eh, kind of. <laughs> but negative 5 is like, so, you're a so, fucking so liar, homie. Yeah. <laughs> positive 1 is, he seems nice. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my opinion on the report. Yeah. He seems nice. Yeah. Holy shit, this guy's telling the truth. Yeah. Oh my God. He's, he's wow. So that's pretty, that, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty definitive. But basically, point, by having right? a positive yeah. score, saying you're not having a significant reaction to the relevant issue right so to the drugs and alcohol you're not showing a big significant reaction yeah to that, right and you because you have to show a significant reaction to fail yeah so if you score all the way down to at least a negative three and of course you can score lower then saying okay there's something going on we're asking these questions multiple times and it's not just a situation where one time you happen to show a reaction right because anyone can happen to show a reaction once it's saying you're consistently showing a reaction to this question anytime it's asked on this test and it's scoring negative you know yeah. negatively towards that enough that we're saying, okay, something's bothering you. You're not being open about this. You're intentionally lying, whatever it might be. Um, that's Man, that's, so, that's such good information to hear that it's, it's easier to pass than it is to fail. But I mean, like, unless you qualified that with a little bit of explanation, I don't think people would understand that. No, it just sounds like something you'd tell somebody going into it to put their mind at ease. But yeah. it's legit, though. So. No, that, that is. I mean, you know, although if you look at, like, the comparison between... So if you look at like the drug drug offender world, right? Like that's the polygraph in the sex offender world is like the equivalent of a UA, right? I'm sure. Have, yeah. So, but I mean, if you look at how even how ridiculous people are with UAs, I mean, UAs now have been changed and altered so much because people spend so much time trying to beat them that I mean, they're just pretty much infallible. Like, I mean, it, and, and still, still people will say, nope, 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 didn't happen, right? I mean, they go through, like, I'll, I'll get somebody that tests positive for methamphetamine, and they send that test through a, a gas chromatograph mass spectrometer, which breaks down the individual molecules to say, yes, definitively, this is not a false positive. This is methamphetamine, guaranteed. And they're like, nope, didn't use. I'm like, <laughs> dude, like, Come on, man. And again, I know the whole denial thing, and so I don't get I don't really argue the validity of these things, but clearly it, it's almost like a misplacement of energy. Sometimes I remember um <laughs> so one of our friends, you you probably know who it is as I'm talking about him. So he was telling me this one time about how he was he was cheating on tests at Weber State, right? And um this is back b- before they would no, they didn't let you wear hats. So he showed me his hand one time, and he had written. <laughs> the, it was the most amazing small writing I've ever seen in my life, written on his hand. Right, 
and he wore glasses to he wore glasses to the to the exam, but they were bifocals that he he turned upside, he popped out the lenses and turned them upside down. So when he he put his hand, so I put my hand on my head, you know, like kind of like a salute. So he put his hand on his head like this and look up at his hand. Oh and my he could god! Read the text, and I'm like, dude, how long did that take you? And he's telling me hours. I'm like, just study for the test, dude. <laughs> god, like, you know, like if you if you spent half the energy that that you did, like if I'm on, you know, so I pulled That's up. That's pretty like cool, this. though. I mean, it's cool, but it's <laughs> but you 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 yeah. spent you spent an awful lot of time where you actually could have learned something. So again, no, you think I about get it, dude. I'm well, just no, no, saying. I'm saying like yeah. just look at the ener- the energy, I the, know. the emotional, the time, the <laughs> physical investment that you're making in anything. If regardless of the outcome, if the outcome's the same, okay, well you just so you now wasted a bunch of time writing stuff on your hand and cheated and learned nothing. Where I studied, learned something, and I passed. We both got the same score outcome's the same, but I got something else out of it. I got a pass score, plus I had knowledge that I'm going to be able to apply later. It seems to me like... Yeah, or if, if you it, get busted and kicked out of school. Yeah, right, right. And so the risk <laughs> right. the risk ratio is huge, but he spent exactly the amount of same time. That's crazy. That's what I wonder, like, if rather than, rather than like, you know, I pulled up antipolygraph.org here. I mean, rather than going to a site like this, and I mean, there's endless amounts of articles and nonsense. It seems like a rabbit hole that kind of never ends here. I mean, I don't even know what I'm looking at half the time, but it, rather than going on here and um, and going through this um, and researching this, like if you just spent that time and energy and focus of having a couple of good sessions with your therapist, you'd be fine, dude. Yeah. Like you'd be fine. No, I just don't get it. So is there any way, okay, so like this one, this is this is crazy right here. Let me ask you this one. So I'm on anti-polygraph, and I love the first ones. Did you know? <laughs> so it says, did you know one of the most prolific serial killers in U.S. history passed the polygraph and killed again? So is there, I mean, is there... Did you know that, Ed? Is there a way... Did you know that? This is good information. It's polygraph him, dude. This is great information. I heard, I heard that uh, OJ was starting to take a polygraph and they cut it off because he was failing it, but I haven't heard more details about well, that. Oh, Did yes. you know that you can get online and find anything you want? <laughs> well, no, know? like... So this is... So this <laughs> Have is you heard you know? Well, no, this is, this is what I love about this, though. So it says... Um, so uh, Gary Leon Ridgway is expected to plead guilty to 48 murders this week, including Oregon's Green River killings. Wow, that's pretty profound. You got the Green River killer. Sure. Uh, Ridgeway, an early sp- suspect in the Green River killings, passed a polygraph test. Here's the th- it, See, so this is why it's so damn deceptive. It, it, man, I hate to say fake news, but this is so nonsense. <laughs> so passed a polygraph test in 1984. Oh, so that was oh, prior wow, to legislation to regulate this from turning it to being back when legitimate. it was back when it could be complete nonsense. When and anyone could run a polygraph, I could just make up some format well, and say, dude, I asked there him a it question. is, right? Yeah. I, so, so, I pumped up a so, stolic blood pressure cuff on his arm. So and, conti- and continued no. his killing <laughs> spree. It was ultimately DNA evidence that linked him to the killings in 2001. Like, Dude, I don't know. Well, like, so there it is. That That's not... It's cherry picking. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I can't throw that out there and say, well, see, the polygraph doesn't work. Like, well, it probably didn't work. That was probably a bullshit test, dude. Like... Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, okay, so it was in 1980-whatever, so that creates that problem. But, I mean, also, Ed, I didn't hear you say that it's 100%. No, and, anyway. that, and I point so, that out in the test. Like, so, so what's if up? Someone, I mean, if someone fails, so... 
Is it 100%? So the, one of the most accurate ones, the specific issue, 92%. So there's, that's the mean accuracy. So the yep. range is what, 86 to 97. That's a great range, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So studies I've looked at for the average person's, and I think some of these studies included police officers, the average person's ability to tell if someone's telling a lie was about 55% in studies. So it's basically the flip of a coin, whether a PO or a therapist knows if someone's lying. Yeah. If I can run a polygraph test that's, 90% or less. So a screening test, a more common one for polygraphs in post-conviction sex offender testing, the average is about 86%. So is that 100%? I'm not going to say it's 100% ever, but that's a lot better than, fifth, than a flip of a coin. Yeah, so, okay, right. how about we flip a coin to see if you're telling the truth? And so the purpose of the polygraph in this type of testing is to help make those tough decisions. You know, if a therapist and a PO knows, hey, I'm 55% accurate, he told me something's happening. He told me he was around his nieces, but he says nothing else. So if I have a test that I can use that's 85 to 90% accurate, and if I can use that to help me make those tough decisions, like is this guy safe to be in the community, why would I not want to use that information? So can you think of like circumstances and where a client would fall into that 8% category? So I, you can have situations. I can, I can think of a specific situations that's come up for me that I try to explain to people during my interview that came up where I don't think the person was intentionally trying to lie, right? Yeah. So we're doing a sexual history polygraph. One of the questions was on, uh, have you ever forced sexual contact on someone? Right. The guy fails the test. So he comes back next time and we're talking. And I'm like, okay, dude, what was going on? What was bothering you on this question? Because I'm not saying you're lying. I'm not saying you forced sexual contact on, say, on something. I'm saying you're showing a reaction to this, right. right? It's not a lie detector. It's saying you're showing a reaction. And if you're lying, you know, there's a reason. So when I'm talking to him, he's like, okay, well, during the test, when you asked me that question, I was worried because I know when I was a minor, a girl accused me of rape. He's like, I know I didn't rape this girl. But during the question... I'm thinking, oh shit, you know, I know I didn't do this, it shouldn't be a big deal, answering no. Right. So he never told me about this. Uh, so this time I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me? So he spends some time with me, we review over the whole situation, didn't really do it, she said this, told her brother, they came, talked to him, whatever it was, and I ran a single issue test on did you force, uh, other than what you've disclosed, yeah. have you ever forced sexual contact on someone? past flying colors. Oh, okay. Wow. So the concerns from what he didn't talk about it, you know, I can adjust questions and I tell them I'm happy to adjust the questions to make them clear. It's very specific. Mm -hmm. We know what I'm talking about. So making that little adjustment, him talking about that. Now he's passing a test and he failed a test where I'm sure I'm, I'm confident he didn't lie on that first test, but he wasn't being open about everything. So that might not be in the, you know, the 8% or whatever that's, it's, bad results but yeah well that's something where it's a situation where being more open or just talking like helps is there something that we should avoid doing or um or that maybe po should avoid doing in terms of a client so like there's a there's a client that um that you you did a polygraph on and so he he failed two consecutive polygraphs and it was all is about pornography stuff right and uh, and he admitted he so I was I was talking with him and he had admitted yep I did that I did that and I lied and I went in there and deliberately lied but then I disclosed this stuff and then it came down to taking another polygraph right and then uh, but then his his 
PO said, if you fail this polygraph, you're going to prison. Like, if you fail this, you're going to prison no matter what. And and he said, I told the truth. I told the truth, and no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I told the truth. And I, I mean, I'd, so, like, part of me is like, I believe you, right? I believe you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is there something that we could do, like, as far as if we're setting them up? You know, we're saying, if if you fail this, you're screwed, bro. Right. Like, does that, does that yeah. So, could it have some impact? Yeah. So, I've talked to a couple people. Some say that, you know, I don't think it's going to affect it that much in things, but... But if you come at me and I have a, a PO saying, hey, you're going to prison if you fail this question. I know you're out there raping somebody or whatever the question might be. You're doing this. You're lying to me. If you lie again, you're going to prison. Fuck, if someone asks me that question, fuck, now I'm going to be a little bit more worried, right? So I'm going to be, maybe I'm going to have a little bigger reaction, yeah. you know, especially if it's the same day. Someone says, you're going to prison. You fail this. Get there. Whatever. Shit, you're freaking out, man. Right, right. So, yeah, no PO should ever threaten prison, right? You should never threaten someone. You're going to prison if you fail this polygraph. That's Even not, if that's what they're going to do. Right. Because it's the, not going to improve the outcome. That's not the purpose of right. the polygraph. I mean, you look on the American Polygraph Association, that's not the purpose. It's, it's for helping you guys make some those decisions. Right, but it happens, though. I mean, yeah. they, they do. Yeah. I mean, POs guys, use that. And guys guys have that happen, and they, and they still pass. But do I think that it could have impact on the polygraph? Absolutely. I think that's a horrible way to set someone up for, you know, maybe there was a 8% chance on a polygraph that they're going to fail before. Maybe now we've raised that just a little bit, yeah. you know, uh, and if we can do something to benefit them, stay with that. Don't threaten them. Don't make it a shittier situation. I mean, if anybody's had a polygraph, they know it's a, a, a nerve wracking, anxious situation to be in. Now add a PO threatening you on top of that. That's not going to make it any easier. We don't rush into a polygraph. We have an hour of interviewing and talking and me explaining, you know, we're trying to help out, whatever it might be, talking to them. But adding that to that's not going to help. What, what if we tell them what to expect as far as like, all right, so the, like, what if we explain what controlled lies are, whatever the phrase is? What if we explain, like, okay, Ed's going to sit you down. He's going to go over this stuff. He's going to ask you these types of questions. You know, so I think, like, what about that type of stuff? I think the main polygraph questions, like you get to like, explaining the test questions and, and things like that or the format we're doing, just leave that to the polygraph examiner. You know, is that harmful to do that? So if you get into too much depth, I don't think that's, you know, I think that would just be something to leave towards them. Right. And I don't think it's going to harm anything. I mean, I'm, I'll tell them that I've gone to groups with you guys and I've explained, hey, there's some questions where I'm going to ask you to intentionally lie. This is kind of what the kind of question. It's very specific. This is the purpose. And I'll explain that during the interview as well. So I, I think that's something, some of those very specific things, just leave the polygraph examiner. Oh, all right. That way well, we, well, so but as far as prepping them, like, hey, so sexual history, make sure you're open about these things. Let's talk about them or things like that. I think guys are more successful that I generally see from this program because they are prepped. Tana, an, well, another examiner, told me the exact same thing. Guys coming from here. Tana have, Stone. Tana Stone. Yeah, she's awesome. Has, has gone through some of these things with you guys, and she says, these guys from Alpha, I find more people pass than with other therapists because they're generally prepped more for these situations. Yeah. They've talked about more of these things. They know what to expect. So they've, they've, they've disclosed these things already. Well, well so one so thing, so one thing I do feel like and I don't know, like, okay, so like even the issue that we were staffing today with another client, um, how much, what, what time are we at right now? 11. I say we just let it roll. I know, but it's how much time now. are we into this? We're a ways in there, huh? That's good though. No, we're about hour 15. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. So like one of our, one of our, um, therapists today was asking about like, so the client passed his polygraph and the, and she, and one of the therapists was asking, well, did he fail? Well, no, of course he didn't fail. He passed, but he had disclosed some information to you about pornography. So like, I think, so when I say, when I say, 
the, depending on the test, if we're doing a sexual history polygraph, I just say, look, here's what we're looking for. The exact question is going to be formulated by you and the, and the polygrapher based on your, based on your guys's interview. So just be open and honest with them. But he is going to have a pretest interview where there's going to be questions about that stuff mm-hmm. because and what I tell them, and I don't know if this is accurate. I just say, if some of that stuff's weighing on your mind and I mean, it could alter the outcome of the polygraph. And so they ask those questions ahead of time. So if it comes out that that stuff is disclosed, we'll talk about it later. Later. The main thing is that you pass the, the sexual history part of that. That's, the primary purpose of this is are are there any undisclosed victims that's what we're trying to accomplish right. whereas a compliance polygraph or whatnot you know an exit polygraph in other words um, you know that's going to be that's going to be talking about behaviors that have happened since you've been in treatment it's going to be it's going to try to be very specific we're not going to ask and i try to say when what we won't ask is stupid broad questions right. like There's, have you violated the terms of your probation of because that's a silly yeah. question right. i said so you and Ed will ultimately determine what the questions are. They're more. Is that okay to kind of go that direction rather than try yeah. to guess what you're going to ask them? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Sexual history, the main. I'd say, I'd say the main focus. Your main focus is going to be your sexual victimizing, your history of sexual victimizing right, others. Right. Right. I don't know because obviously, depending on what the therapist needs, what the PO needs, a test isn't going to always be the exact same test. So I, I think it's good to leave it a little bit more broad. I think sometimes they are more open. Sometimes, well, well maybe he'll ask me about these things, and maybe we will. So things like the one that you talked about today. So the person came in, they disclosed they had been violating probation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if I was asking that specific question, they may disclose, yeah, I've been viewing pornography. And then my question might be, other than what you've told me, have you sought out any pornography? So they might pass the test, but they've been doing those things they asked about. And if you read the notes, you see that. Well, because right? if so they fail the fail. test, it's way worse. Right, because now you know what they're doing versus... If you fail a test, well, maybe now you're out, you know, doing who knows what. And that's a much scarier situation than knowing, okay, he told me this is what he's doing. He passed. Yeah. We know the extent of what's going on versus that. But leaving some of those more open, um, there's more they might disclose. And I think it's good for so it's sexual history. Generally, the main focus is, have you, do you have other hands-on victims, right? That's yeah. the main focus of that. But I think it's good sometimes if they're not always 100% aware, and we could do other things, that that's the only focus because now they might point out, okay, I have viewed pornography, and you learn about that early, and I'll tell them, hey, you told me about these things. Yeah. Generally, on our exit or our maintenance polygraph, we focus more on these specific things. My recommendation is be open with your therapist. If your therapist and PO sees that, hey, he screwed up once or twice, but he's open, they're going to trust you. They're going to be more helpful versus you go a year you're taking a polygraph and now you're trying to think of every situation. You're going to be scared, trying to remember, oh shit, did I do this then? When did I view this? How am I doing this? You're scared. You're going to have more chance of failing that. Plus you're in more trouble and yeah. you've been lying for a year. Well, I mean, So I think it's good for them to learn that early. This is going to happen later and be, be aware of that. But telling them, hey, this is our main focus is fine. But I wouldn't say that's the only thing we look at. You know, it, it, I think. it seems sometimes to like, and um, I, th- I think we see this a lot more with federal clients. And I mean, you guys do a lot with federal guys too. I mean, they're just like, and POs, I think POs are way more reasonable than we let on at times. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if they have a huge stake in sending dudes back to prison for porn, right? I mean, they, I mean, I, I, I think that, it, that clients would be surprised a little bit more often than not. I mean, I mean within reason. I mean, Isn't you can't be like, I murdered be? somebody, you know, <laughs> you know sure. like, oh, well, you know, part, relapse is part of recovery. Like, I mean, you, you know, you can't to, to a certain degree, but, um, uh, but yeah, man, that just is, it just seems to me like if you would just come forward with some of that stuff, uh, and as therapists, that's where I feel like we might mess it up though. Like if, if therapists are using 
the polygraph as a tool of sanction or as a as a as a justification for punishment, then I f- I feel like we're missing the mark. And I've told therapists a lot of times, if you feel like your client is lying, don't send them into the polygraph. Just be outward and say, I feel like you're not being truthful. Like, why would you not do that, right? I mean. You know, so I feel like he's lying. I'm going to send him a polygraph. Don't do that. Don't like the polygraph is not intended for that. We're not. So if if I'm trying to catch a dude in a lie, I I think there's a fracture in the therapeutic relationship and I'm going to point to things. So justify that. Why do you think I'm lying? A hunch? Like, I mean, so you're going to base a hunch on that and say, I feel like he's lying. I'm going to send. No, no, no. Look at some behaviors, increase risk on so you know on his thing. He's gonna have to do another not a few months or whatever. It'll all bear out in the end, one way or another, you know. And if the client comes forward with those things, that's that's a lot better. I don't know why we we use that test as as those type of things. And and, and then I've heard it said like that too. So I hear that in drug court about um about U- UAs. Like, well, you you um you no showed that test, so that's a positive, right? I'm like. No, it's not. They, it's they, like you know showed. You know, I I worked with a client one time, and this is no joke. Worked at a gas station, right? The client worked at a gas station, and it was Memorial Day weekend. The client had a UA on Saturday, right? And said, "Hey, I can't leave. If I leave, they're gonna fire me." And I'm like, oh, "God, dude, that sucks. You got a UA. Like, I I don't know what to tell you, you know." And the client's like, "Well." I'm in phase three, and one of the things in phase three is I got to have a job. If I don't have a job, I'm violating that, and I could lose custody of my kids. I'm like, yeah, that's a real dilemma. What do you do, right? So ultimately, the client did this. They and had their boss call me and say, if you know, if this person leaves, they are fired because two people called in sick. It's Memorial Day weekend. I can't do that. Like, I need this person here. You know? Okay, so there it is left, went to an inpatient program on the way home, UA'd there, tested negative, kept the test, right? Had it documented by the by the supervisor there that emailed me, took that to court, and the client still went to jail. So oh, like, well, no shows no. are still positive. I'm like, what, dude? No, that's not. That's a legitimate reason, right? Like, that's just... So, so at that point, this is what it turns into. Like, you just... So it, it just have a machine, right? That you come and turn in a slip of your UAs, and then it prints out a sanction, and then you leave. Like judges are irrelevant at that. But if you're not going to use discretion, which we need to, as that's ugly, sometimes, man. Uh, right? That's I, I think you need to, and clients need to be more willing to accept that that the discretion is going to be there because it just is. Well, that's a tough balance though, too, as far as like on a therapeutic side, because I've definitely had times where I pushed a client pretty hard on feeling like something was off. Like I don't know, I don't feel good about this, and then they're very adamant, and this goes on and over, and then they went in. And then they passed. Where I was just like, I'm a little surprised. Like I didn't, you know, tell them that. But I yeah, that's definitely happened. And it's kind of hard too, because at what point do you let them decide? All right, go ahead and take the thing. I think you know? after you've had that discussion, though. I mean, if yeah. you if you've told them, look, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. I I kind of and I've done this before. I'm going to be honest with you, and I feel and I've been proven wrong too. So that's kind of the cool thing about it. That's what I actually like about that conversation mm-hmm. is that I've said. I kind of feel like you've been up to some shady stuff, you know, and uh, our sessions haven't been as as uh, collaborative as I would have liked them to be. I, you know, and, and there's definitely, and and again, I and I might and I could say, man, it's just a feeling, so it's not mm-hmm. necessarily true. I do want to make sure I 
fully educate you on what could come from a failed polygraph and, and all the problems here. And, you know, I'm not going to say you're going to get violated or you're going back to prison. I'm just going to say it complicates things a lot. And here's those complications. And then after we've gone through that, I say, okay, are you ready? And they said, nope, I am ready. I mean, I don't know if I can ethically say, nah, don't go do it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if I can at that point. You've I think, done your due diligence at that point. You're, well, well, right. I think you you're get the, clear in my mind. Well, and I always give the client the out. I say, well, just dude, just one simple sentence. I'm not ready for the polygraph. You're not telling me anything. You're just telling me you're not ready for the polygraph. I mean, you might have a staph infection. Shit, I don't know. Like, if you just say, I'm not ready for the polygraph, that's why you're not coming. Yeah, that's that's it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the whole thing is. So just say that line right. if you're not ready and you're good. Like, just wait. Let's wait. It's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, which which in terms of, yeah, kind of going back to, like, the clinical judgment, trying to read the situation, that's generally the approach I take, too, is if some, we're kind of prepping, we're reaching that course naturally of, hey, your polygraph's coming up, and I start to get that inclination that they're stalling for something's going on. So I usually will err on the side of, he's probably stalling because he knows he's holding on to something so at a certain point it's just more being direct about that like hey man usually when I get people kind of dragging their feet a little bit, I know there's a financial stuff but usually it ends up meaning they're kind of worried about coming out with something so we don't need to rush into this thing but something's going on we need to make sure we talk about it yeah because that's usually what I pick up on first someone just starts to stall and yeah. stall and stall and I can look back at a lot of clients that have screwed up and that's been consistent with yeah. a lot of them dude but I, if, if I was a client though and I went <laughs> And I went to one of these websites. Listen to this shit, dude. The simplistic methodology used in polygraph testing has no grounding in the scientific method. It is no more scientific than astrology or tarot cards. <laughs> Government agencies value it because people who don't realize it's a fraud sometimes make damaging admissions. But as a result of reliance on this voodoo science, the truthful are often falsely branded as liars while the deceptive pass through. I mean, first of all... Well, what does often mean? That well, you're obviously what's the biased. website? This is antipolygraph.org. Yeah, but I'm like... like but the thing that I'm saying... The thing that I'm saying is like, first of all, like learn how to write a sentence, like a cogent <laughs> paragraph, A. But like what a bunch of nonsense, dude. And what I love about this there is... Did you hear... So did you hear about this, dude? So there's like... Tons of articles on this Doug Williams guy. Did you see this? Hey, mm -hmm. dog. This, well, no, this. So I love this. <laughs> a former Oklahoma police officer pled guilty on Thursday. This was back in forever ago. No, May 8th of 2015. A former Oklahoma police officer ple pleaded guilty on Thursday to obstruction of justice and mail fraud for teaching people how to pass lie detector tests, even if they're lying according to the Department of Justice. So he owned, uh, operated polygraph.com, a defunct website. Many of, of customer, when, many of Williams' customers were required to undergo the test for background checks as a part of federal investigations and or the terms of their parole and probation according to the indictment. Well, you know what's wrong with this, though? And you know why? So I, as I go down here, do you know what, what the charge was? Is Is... So lying to a federal agent is illegal, right? Right. And coaching somebody and trying to teach somebody how to lie is is, is illegal. He didn't get uh, arrested because of polygraphs. Right. He got arrested for coaching people to no. lie to federal so, and, agents. But you can. But technically, like as a polygraph examiner, I could actually legally I can teach people to try to manipulate a polygraph. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not breaking the law. But if some of these guys go to prison or, or whatever is going on is because. There's people going for government jobs, or they've had stings. You know, someone comes and say, "Hey, I'm applying for a government job. I need to know how to beat the polygraph to get in here." Now that's illegal, right? Now they're teaching them to beat for that purpose. So now, 
now you're breaking the law. Yeah, so but that, that, that's exactly right. That is just, legitimately just, just illegal. Teaching a random person how to beat it, that's not illegal. Teaching them to beat it for a government job, yeah. now I'm breaking the law. Yeah, that's That's gen- where they get in trouble with that. Dude, that but is so What's silly. also interesting is, so they've done studies on, so if someone knows how the polygraph works, so let's say they understand everything and they try to cheat, they're not going to, shitty chances of beating it, right? So yeah. let's say someone's, let's say I teach someone without the polygraph, I tell you, okay, this is what you got to do to beat it still just as shitty chances of trying to cheat. It's going to come up obvious. Um, our computers can see some things now that are obvious problems for fails. I'm going to see that. The only statistical thing they've done to show that there's a higher chance of beating, if you want to call it beating or cheating right. on a polygraph, is if you practice on a polygraph mach- you know, instrument. So right, if, yeah, if, yeah. I, if I have a polygraph machine here, we sit here together while you run the polygraph and I show you what's happening when you yeah. do certain things. Now there's a slight increase in someone that can actually manipulate that. But wow. if someone just tells you how to cheat, how it works, everything that's going on, everything I know you know, you're still just as likely to fail at trying to manipulate that test as someone that has no idea what's going on. They're trying to manipulate it as well. Unless you <laughs> sit down with an examiner, with a polygraph instrument and practice during that to see that. That's the only way to have any significant significant uh, increase in chances. And you still have low chances on some of those. So this, i just make sure before I say it. So anti-polygraph.org, this, it's all one thing, no spaces or anything in there? Yeah. I'll make sure I'm looking at the right one. Yeah. So I love, if you were really looking at this, like wondering, say you're somebody who's wondering, like maybe it's not, maybe it's not legit. I'm going to do a little research. So I Google this. It just shows up first as learn how to pass or beat a polygraph. Well, why would I need to do that for one if it's not valid? <laughs> also, it's oh, it's it's nonprofit. First thing under his name is an ad to go down to download a browser to hide the shit you're doing on the internet. And then he's also got an op- he's also got an option to make a donation directly to him and an online store that sells merch. Yeah, dude, doesn't sound like you're biased at all. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> There's a cup right there. Anti- well, not to mention it's the yeah, not to mention it is the uh, the. Oh yes, yeah, PayPal donate. Do- but I love you click it's just a straight like to him. Yeah, it just takes you to a porn website. <laughs> <laughs> dude, but the funny Are you thing accessing is- porn, download this browser too. Yeah, the funny thing is, dude, is this is That's so awesome. like it, not to mention homeboy, your website looks like shit, dude. No, it's a good. Like I saw this on uh, GeoCities <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, it's that. awful. But isn't this dude who promotes this? Isn't he out of he's like out of the country, right? Right. I think so yeah, Europe but it's got an American flag on the polygraph. Mm-hmm. Got butt hurt well, of course it's got an American it's flag. It's got an American flag though, dude. you hover over that there's no links on I mean, that it's shit good. Right? it's like if like a cash loan place if they say u.s cash loans and it's, oh, yeah. but it's but it's a mixture of information on there too right there's there's what some good chunk, information dude. reading through some of his stuff back when i was going through it i found some good information okay yeah this is right yes sure polygraph does that yeah that's the type of thing that they do but then it reasons it with something like but this is why they do that and it's non-scientific and it's all about alligators and chickens i don't know <laughs> Yeah. But just the reasoning behind some of it just isn't right. But they wow. do have some decent information. But you get bad information, you think, oh, this must be right. You come in, you screw yourself over, you fail. Well, one, it's going to be more expensive. You're going to come back again and take another polygraph down the road. Two, it's, it's a waste of time when I'd rather someone just tell me, hey, I heard that if you put a tack in your shoe, it helps you pass. I'm yeah. Like, okay, well, obviously, if you stab your toe with a tack, that's going to look a little different than a natural reaction. Plus, you're moving, and I ha- your feet are on motion sensors, your butt's on a motion sensor, so there's that I measure as well. So there's a lot of other things. I'm like, this is why that's not cool. I've had someone tell me they heard if you put a penny under your tongue, it'll come up as a pass when you're lying. I'm like, yeah. I'm like 
okay, let's put a penny under your tongue. I don't care. I've heard that for breathalyzers. It tastes like shit, but, but well, if dude, you really, like, and I know where some of those have been. You know, the interesting thing about that is, though, is, I mean, again, if you just try to use a little bit of reason in this, I mean, tell a well, client Well, it's just this. way too biased as you're reading it. It just well, sounds like garbage. Well, think about this. Okay, if the dude's in prison giving you advice on how to beat a polygraph, something's wrong, okay? <laughs> That's the first thing. And let's say you successfully beat it. Let's say you successfully beat it. You're not going to tell anybody. You're not. Who would you tell? Who would you tell? Huh. I passed a polygraph, and the, here's here's how I did it. You're not <laughs> like if you like. No way would you would you like because then you're admitting that that thing right. that was holding like you, no no you're not going to say anything about it. So I'd be dubious about anybody who told you this shit. Like there's no way that that's being truthful. Like there's you couldn't you. Could, I mean, who's going to come for? I beat the polygraph, and here's how. <laughs> like you know, you, know, you would well, then be admitting that you lied at, at that point. At least not a polygraph done right because my client. Client back in the day with that polygrapher that we're talking about admitted to, to passing the polygraph. And again, you know, well, he didn't admit to passing. He admitted that he lied, but we later found out that he passed. Right? That's not so, yeah, how I remember it. No, how did it come through? He he told me after he found out that he passed. Yeah, but it was passed. the type of test that that was that was making that a problem, wasn't it? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he wasn't because there's a, he, he was different types of thirty-five minute tests. Yeah, there's no. He was no doing maintenance it to test that takes 35 yeah. minutes. That's just wow. not legit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just see, and that's and, and stuff and like still, that, dude. That someone be, could pass. Yeah. Someone could lie and pass. Is there a stati- statistically, you know, is there going to be a percentage that can lie about something? How significant? I'm not sure. And could they possibly not show that reaction or score out that way? Sure. Of course. Statistically, that can happen. So if someone's, I beat it. Well, maybe you're in that small minority, you know. Right. Does it, does being a psychopath help with that? So I thought that was something I brought up back in the day. If someone's a sociopath or if something like, you know, they obviously have no concern. So before they used to say, okay, well, they used to think that it's going off of the fight or flight, right? Someone's going to show a reaction to these because they're scared. They go into fight or flight. They have that reaction. Whereas that's not what they're looking at for for the research now. Now it's more it takes more cognitive function to tell I more work to tell a lie than it does to tell the truth. And that's how other things work now, too. So there's the eye detect, yeah. right? So this is a newer type of, of lie detector they have where you're in front of a computer screen, there's a, your chin sitting on something, so you're stationary, and there's a camera watching your eyes. So it's watching pupil dilation. So you read across this screen, you're going to press on something that says yes or no on the question, and it's going to watch your pupil dilation. So it's super expensive? So it's, well, it's just different, right? And it's not used... So I'm not... I don't think it's going to be used so much in post-conviction sex offender testing because there's no interview. It's more a pre-employment step. Oh, okay. And it can be something they fail that, then sure, they can go to a polygraph. So it's going to be less expensive than a polygraph in some ways. It's going to be less expensive to train, but every single thing goes to like a cloud and they get paid for it, you know, for for running the stats through the computer. But as far as that goes, I mean, it's reading the pupil dilation because it takes more work. It takes more work, cognitive function to, to think of a lie. So it doesn't matter on like, I don't give a shit that I'm lying. I mean, right. in fact, you, you would still right. have to it, know it that still, you're lying. It still takes more work. I mean, it's, little tiny things like you can ask sometimes, and it's kind of a dumb example, but sometimes you can look at someone and, and say, okay, tell me, uh, what's your mother's name? And the answer, Julie, whatever. Bitch. No, say, okay, <laughs> yeah. What's your father's name? Now lie to me. Like, you got to sit and think of a name to lie about. Because right. it, it comes natural. I know what my dad's name is, Phil, whatever. Yeah. But if I have to think of a name, okay, uh, John. You know, you're thinking more, you're working more to, to come out with that, and your body's having these reactions. And that's right. more what it works off. It's not going off the old fight or uh, flight. Okay. You're, you're scared of this. Huh. This is what's happening. It, it's 
you know, and they do more research. And again, it's back to research. Why is this happening? And this is well, no, that's what they're looking at now. So. That's good, man. And I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think your craft is like a really necessary element. Witchcraft. We, yeah, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think that your profession is really a. Um, uh, a really a key element in what we do. I don't know how we could do anything without it. Um, and uh, and I also, you know, but the other piece is I'm glad to hear it's becoming more legitimate right. too as well because, again, and I think, man, if, you, if you're a polygrapher doing that, God, knock it off, dude, right? Like, I mean, more than anything, just d- legitimize your product, bro. Right. Like, that's it. I mean, and, and if you suck at selling your product get a new job man like you're not this is i mean it doesn't do anybody favors and it ruins i mean if if the more we can make the polygraph legitimate the better off it's going to be for even the offenders too i mean it works both ways it works i mean it verifies the truth even when people think that they're lying that's it works in their favor like they should be advocates of it as much as anybody so it's definitely in their best interest but I don't know. It's fascinating stuff, man. Yeah, so. It's an objective test. You know, some people think that, oh, Ed's out to get me or, or, or whatever might be going on. It's not my opinion. I have plenty of times when I think, oh, this guy's for sure going to pass this test. You know, this, this is perfect. He sounds great after the interview, run it, and he just shows significant reaction. It's not my opinion. I'm scoring it out off of how their body's reacting. Yeah. So, you know, it just comes on, does your body believe what you're saying? You know, whether I believe it or not doesn't matter. Or I've had people come through here and I'm like, man, this guy seems pretty sketchy. That, that, uh, really? Well, that's, that's what's going on. And they pass a test. So it's not my opinion on these things. It's I run a statistically sound test. This is what all the studies say. This is how the format works. I give you the information you need. We run the test, and this is what your body says. It's not well, there my it opinion is, at that I point. Mean, it's even objective. If you, even if you did, you said, I didn't like this, how this guy looked at me, right. and failed him deliberately. I mean, your your tests could be uh, your test could be requested, right, or something like that. Right. They can do, there can be quality reviews. So especially, you know, there's a lot of people that are in pre-employment or they work with companies, and so they have a couple multiple examiners. Yeah. So they'll do quality checks where they go other examiners. Utah Polygraph Association is looking at making that something where the examiners in Utah they're going to look at having us send just randomly to send out charts to other examiners. To have even more people checking things. Dude, I have people I good. know that I have. If yeah. I have a question, I send it to an examiner I know in California. Hey, what's your opinion on this? Yeah. To get other opinions on things because it's. Fidelity checks. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, you exactly. need. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if you don't. So anytime you have, you have um, a system of power, right? I can't remember who this was that said this. The same. Who did the, the uh, prison experiment, the, the Stanford prison experiment? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, though, yeah. right? Yeah. That guy did a. I was watching him um, do a Phil Zimbardo or something like that. I think his name is. Anyway, he was doing a. He was doing a, a speech. And he was talking about. Then he was talking. He was an expert witness for the Abu Ghraib stuff. You remember that? Yep. So he was an expert witness for that because of the Stanford uh, prison experiment. And basically, what he said was, when, when you create a uh, a differential power structure where one person, where one group of people are in power and other people are not, and there's no oversight, it's guaranteed there's going to be abuse. Is guaranteed. That absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. But there are gems in the middle of there, right? Like there was one dude who who was the the kind of hero in it all and kind of uh, uh, alerted everybody to Abu Ghraib. But that guy's getting death threats and all kinds of stuff, right? So again, like I feel like Ed is kind of a diamond in this rough, but in the rough. But again, the, the, I mean, I won't, I won't. Are there crooked dudes? Clearly, there's crooked polygraphers out there, you know. And again, I think it just speaks to uh, th- this kind of stuff. Ed's willingness to come here and talk to us and willingness to talk to the clients um, 
willingness to not alter his outcomes of his examinations because it's more favorable to him so he doesn't have to go to court that's a testament to the integrity there versus you know scumbags out there that are doing those things because that's what they yeah, are you're I mean, transparent they're like I, i'll tell them to their face you're a scumbag bro like if you're doing that you're messing with the legal system you're messing with po's jobs you're messing with my job you're messing with offenders uh, lives and and i don't care if you're letting them off or, or screwing them over either way you're 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 just you're crooked bro that's it that's all there is to it like right. i mean there's no two ways about it you're a, you're scum of the earth like the end ed's not ed's awesome obviously. dude speaking of gems i was just looking around because it cracks me up but on that merch store on that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, give, uh, some there's, there's some good stuff on there but i was just kind of cr- cracking up with this so he's got the antipolygraph.org golf t-shirt <laughs> dude like how would ed's like how uh, would you like not laugh if, like, say a client showed up to like for like wearing that? Like, mm. I wonder if there's anyone out there just like rocking that fucker right now. Oh like, yeah, fuck it. I guess someone that wearing lied that to the gym. Oh like, yeah, well this isn't right. <laughs> you're just working out, up. doing deadlifts. You're like, fuck the polygraph. Yeah, <laughs> fuck truth, dude. That's fuck crazy. Truth. <laughs> I better be a dude. I better be a nice. Polo for how much is it? Twenty three dollars. Oh man, it says, yeah, it he's in he's in the Netherlands, bro. It's like he's got. Uh, I should get that. He's got a coffee mug. Dude, what if like one of my clients was in here? I'm like, dude, yeah. just trust it. It's cool. Antipolygraph.org. Yeah. It's got a picture of. I, I'm gonna buy one of these. Yeah. And then when I have a, when I have a hatchet man running around this. When I have a client going in for a polygraph, I'm like, dude, just wear this. Go in and wear this. Just mess with it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, do you want to talk about anything before we start this polygraph? <laughs> well, that's a good discussion, man. We appreciate yeah. you coming Thanks on. Thanks for coming you have in, to bro. Come back again, huh? Yep, totally. We, we, what we'll have to do is because Ed's got a bachelor party coming up. I've always told him he needs to whip out the. We got to whip out the uh, the polygraph <laughs> <laughs> while to we're in a ruin, bachelor party. Ruin all Cause, of Because, dude, if you if if you hook somebody up and you ask them a question, right? You know, and they rip off the, all the materials. You know that's their, yeah, 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 that's pretty much a dead. Did you? Do, oh god! <laughs> well, well, yeah. Right. Well, no, that's like no showing a UA. No. Yeah. Same thing. Not <laughs> if I'm ripping it off as you're asking me. Well, the I'm question. giving myself an out. I don't know what you're gonna ask me. No, if I go to a UA and you tell me to pee in a cup and I pee in your face instead, like that, <laughs> that's, that's not that's not a impression. no show. No, it's funny though. <laughs> Screw this, man. So, yeah. all right, man. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see. Uh, See you next week. Yeah. Won't see you. Well, no, we will. We'll see you. All right. Bye. See everything. All right, folks. That is a wrap on episode eight of the Gorilla Social Work podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in. We also want to thank our guest, Mr. Edward Cook, for coming on to the show and giving us some information about the polygraph and its use in treatment. Next week, we will have Dr. Kay Ha, who is a health administrator out at the Weber County Sheriff's Department. She works in the jail out there, and she's in charge of the mental health services. So she's going to have some information on that for us. Then we're also going to talk a little bit about how she got into that field. It's a really interesting one, so tune in on the next episode. Also, if you happen to have any questions, we'll be getting a few of those online, which is really cool. So we're going to do our best to answer those questions online, and then also in the following episode, give a more detailed answer to some of the questions on there so keep the questions coming in we appreciate that so if you look us up online it's gorilla social work which is g-u-e-r-r-i-l-l-a gorilla social work or you can go to the website gorillasocialwork.org we have that up and running other than that we've got that wrapped up for today so tune in next week and we will talk to you later